You are Locked On Wild, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, my name is Joe Bully. I am your host. And with me, as always, is Tony Abbott from The Athletic Minnesota. Tony, hey, so, you know, yesterday when we were talking about the octopi on the ice, yes. I kind of threw it out to Twitter, and somebody brilliantly responded with, you know, for something that's uniquely Minnesotan, why don't we throw lutefisk on the ice? Oh, uh, well, one, you're never going to sneak that in there into the arena. You're going to smell that shit. And I know what you're going to say, oh, can't you smell an octopus? Uh, Lutefisk smells worse than octopus. Well, I think they both equally smell as, as awful as they do. And uh, I don't see any other good way to, or really any good uh, any good purpose for Lutefisk in general. So. Here's another problem with Lutefisk, right? How are you going to get Lutefisk? Are you going to steal it from your Norwegian grandma? I mean, she'll be so sad that you've taken her prize Lutefisk dinner that she went to the Norwegian market specifically to buy and cook and prepare at home. You nick it, and then you take it all the way to the XL Energy Center, and one, your grandma doesn't have Lutefisk, so she's going to starve, because that's all <laughs> Norwegian grandmas eat are Lutefisks. And uh, then, uh, then... They have Lufsa, too. Come on. With her dying breath, she's going to be watching the wild game and see her prize Lutefisk on the ice. And she's going to say, that's where it went. And then and then, <laughs> that's, that's that's it. That's it for grandma. Like, Can you, can you do that uh, Norwegian accent again? That was fantastic. Oh, that was my old person voice. I didn't even try to do Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I think Ludafisk is a pretty good idea. Anyways, um, we uh, we've had some really good tater tot hot dish on the ice. Really? Seriously? No, no, you've been wasting it. Oh, there is no wasting a tater tot hot dish. Yes, there is. You're right. You're right. Making it it in the first place instead of using the individual ingredients for better ditches. That's true. That is a waste. You gotta spice it up with a little ketchup from once in a while. What are you doing, Joe? <laughs> well, you know, Minnesotans, they need a little spice in their life, so they add ketchup to things. That is, that is... I don't. I I usually add actual real hot sauce, and I like you know spice. What this sounds like? You know what this sounds like? This sounds like you're backtracking. This sounds like you were floating it as an actual good idea, and now no, you're backtracking... No. And making Joe likes ketchup on his tater tot hot dish. And you know what? Ketchup is too spicy, so I mix it with mayonnaise. He mixes it with his cream of mushroom tater tot hot dish. <laughs> Eating it with mayonnaise and ketchup. You heard it here first. Everyone email LockedOnWild.com and tell Joe what a degenerate he is for eating such a disgusting combination of foods. And what also about, the ketchup and mayonnaise. Uh, what about goulash? Uh, I'm not a huge goulash fan. I'm not like too... God, you... Jeez. I mean, like I, like, I would rather eat a goulash than I would, you know, eat, uh, eat say, a tater tot hot dish, but... Okay, so what upper Midwestern fare or food do you actually like? Man, what what counts as an upper Midwestern fare food? Mm, I guess I don't really know. I'm trying to think. Like, we've got our hot dish, obviously, and you've already crapped on that. 
We've got uh, the Ludafisk that you don't like, which it's awful anyways. I don't like it. Um, what was the other thing that you said to throw? Oh, yeah, you don't like goulash. I mean, come on. It's not that I don't like goulash. It's just that, like, it's, it's, eh, you know, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Let's see. I, I'm I'm Googling upper Midwest food <laughs> right now. Uh, the first result is toasted ravioli. Uh, I've never heard of that. Okay. Well, it's good. So, like, I would, if that counts, I, I'll count that. Chicago okay. style pizza second. Well, of Cincinnati, course, that's fantastic. Cincinnati, uh, yeah, I agree. Cincinnati chili, which I've never had or heard of. Well, Cincinnati chili is for the most part just chili with like, I think they put spaghetti noodles in it, but I'm actually, I've actually put like um, elbow macaroni noodles into the bottom of the chili and mix it around. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be into it. Like chili is fine. Oh no, it's it's good. I've definitely tried it. Okay, uh, hot dish. Yeah. Puppy chow. Well, of course. Puppy chow's good. Yeah, why not? Uh, let's see. Chicago style hot dog, which like I don't I don't care about. Uh, I'm just I'm just looking at stuff I recognize at this point. I mean, I like it. I like a Chicago dog. I prefer like the the spicy Italian beef that you usually get like at those Chicago places. Italian beef is on here. Italian beef is good. It's delicious. Uh Bratwurst, upper Midwest food. Very yeah, good. very Wisconsin like, yep. Um, this is just like me being a fat person for these these next two. Uh frozen custard and cheese curds. <laughs> Tony, you want wingy. <laughs> <laughs> cheese curds are great, yeah. I mean, like you can't you can't mess with a cheese curd. No, um, you really can't. Mm. Uh Lefsa's not bad. I mean okay. it's just bread. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Um a pasty is pretty good. Okay. Like, I'm not going to fight you on that. No. So, like, uh, see, there are upper Midwest foods that I enjoy. There's a Wikipedia you, article of cuisine of the Midwestern <laughs> United States. Do you like stroganoff? Uh, I'm not. I, I quit. This is bull. Jesus. It's fine. God. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of dishes where noodles are like the main event. Yeah, I remember you crapped on like fettuccine Alfredo and spaghetti because you're like, eh, it's just kind of like a macro, you know, the blue box special for adults. Yeah, pretty much. Oh God, I I need to take a break because I no no wait 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 uh, they they are calling uh, the Wikipedia article is calling the Reuben sandwich a Midwestern dish. Oh, I'll definitely claim that as Midwestern then, because yep. that's fantastic. Yep, Omaha is one of the places to invented it. That's upper Midwest enough for me. And buddy, <laughs> a Reuben sandwich might be my favorite food ever. Yeah, it especially so. I like the corned beef and the sauerkraut, and it took me a long time to really like sauerkraut. But mm-hmm. I will put cooked sauerkraut and, and smother my brats, smother my uh, my Reuben. And just douse it in, in Thousand Island. I love Rubens. Uh, and I really like sauerkraut after basically not liking it forever as a kid. I remember my grandma used to tell me it'll put hair on my chest when I was younger. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't want that. Like, that's disgusting. But now I love sauerkraut. It's fantastic. Uh, I thought you were going to say, now I love hair on my chest. It rules. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Question. Uh, yes, do, you do, uh, do you do the Ruben with corned beef or pastrami? Corned beef. 
Ooh, I do pastrami. Pastrami's good. I'll do either. But I think I think if you got a really good corned beef brisket, though, um, I think that's the way to go. Yeah, you can't mess with that. So uh, cool. I'm gonna go um, satisfy this hunger a little bit. Maybe grab a bag of chips or something. Um, and we'll take a real quick break right now, and we'll come back and we'll get into the listeners' choice segments. Yes, it's Friday, which it's means you have Friday, control. Friday. <laughs> Which means you have control over our topics. We have a, a couple of great suggestions, and we'll get into them right after this break. You're listening to Locked On Wild. And welcome back to Locked On Wild. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is Tony. We're going over your listeners' choice segments. And uh, first of all, during the break, <laughs> we forgot about Walleye Bites, the Juicy Lucy, and and uh, the Swedish Meatballs. So, I, I think we've definitely forgot about that for uh, upper Midwestern fare that uh, our, our, we could probably throw on the ice as well. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, I think the first topic we're going to get into, this is uh, coming from Holly at the uh, Locked On uh, the Locked On Wild email box. Thanks for emailing, Holly. Yeah, it's really awesome. So she writes... Hey, Joe and Tony, I'm from St. Cloud, and I have a question about the Canes surge. Do you think that the surge is something that other teams would think about picking up, or would they be immediately flagged for doing it? Would it be beneficial for the other teams to do something like this, and how do you think a team like the Wild would do something like this if they hypothetically were to start it? Thought this could strike up a good, fun conversation. I love listening to the podcast and haven't missed an episode, though this is my first question. Thank you. No, Holly, thank you so much. We appreciate the question. And uh, we, we're so happy that you haven't missed an episode and that you love the podcast. Uh, that really uh, uh, hits uh, Tony and, uh, and I right in the heartstrings. So we really appreciate your support. Uh, Tony, these uh, Carolina Hurricane Storm Surge, it started last year. They were labeled the bunch of jerks. Your initial thoughts or your your overall thoughts on the storm surge in general first? I mean, I think the storm surge is really good. It's unique. It's fun. Uh, I like seeing what they uh, do next. Like, they're, they're always kind of coming up with something new, and they're not really repeating themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. Just this week, they did uh, they did a game of dodgeball yeah. in the middle of the ice. I don't know. <laughs> I think that stuff's really cool. I think uh, I think the, uh, the Duck Duck Gray Duck was pretty fun. Uh, I I think it's fun. I think it's it's good probably for team bonding. It, it keeps uh, it keeps them loose. I mm-hmm. I, I assume it, right. it's it's got to so. be a fun thing to uh, to you know spend some time in the locker room. You know maybe uh, maybe you lost your last game and you're and you're getting I don't know a uh, little little tense. Uh, you know, cause you know that you got to do well, otherwise you're going to go into a losing streak. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's just something to take your mind off. Like, okay, when we win tonight, what cool, crazy stuff, uh, are we going to come up with next? So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's great. What about you? I personally really like it. I think it's, it's fun to be unique. I think there's a lot of younger guys on the team. I think it's great because for, for a team like Carolina where they need to get butts in the seats, you know, and I think keeping them in the seats so that if they win and, you know, they had a really good team last year. I think they have a, a solid team again this year um, to have the, uh, the fans stick around and, and see kind of the personality of the team. And I think that's what's missing from the NHL as a whole is just personalities. It used to be that way. You hear about all the stories of like Philip Esposito or, or, um, 
Um, you know, I mean, probably maybe like Joe Thornton is probably one of those guys with the with the that's kind of hanging around in the modern day with a, with a um, a personality. But you know, you just you hear about all those stories from those guys back in the day, and uh, I think it's awesome to have just a lot of fun and excitement in the NHL. That's usually pretty, um, I don't know, pretty mundane, mm, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I I personally love it. Um, do you think that the surge is something that other teams should or would think about picking up to, uh, to answer the first part of Holly's question? Like are teams like the wild going to be called out if they start, I don't know, playing duck, duck, gray duck or playing dodgeball or having like lightsaber fights or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. But, Mm -hmm. um, I, I think more teams should do, if not that, certainly like things like that to engage the fans and, and you know, give them something to, uh, I don't know, something extra. Something extra to uh, to celebrate or uh, or take part in or get to watch. Mm-hmm. I think for that extra, they should have brought out Patches of Hula and started chucking wrenches during that ball, dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> Just chucking wrenches into the opposing uh, bench. <laughs> It'd be great. Um, no, I, I think that, yeah, they probably could get called out for, um, perhaps copycatting a little bit, but I do think that more teams should do something, uh, maybe more, a little more unique to them. I think the wild when wild.com kind of posting the, uh, the hero of the game celebration where they hand out the, uh, the helmet, I think that's kind of a unique little celebration. It kind of shows a little more personality of the players in that locker room that we don't normally get to see. I think I think it's a small thing, but I think it's relatively a great thing uh, for fans to be able to get to see that kind of thing. Well, why not uh, do it on the ice? Could do it on the ice, too. I wouldn't mind that at all. Uh, but um, I think that teams should be doing – things to market themselves better and market players personalities because uh the nhl in general doesn't do that so um would they be flagged i think probably if they did it exactly like the storm surge but um i think it would be beneficial for uh for other teams to really get into doing something uniquely to them so now that i'm actually thinking about it maybe it's not the best idea to to have the hero of the game thing happened on the thing because like it does sound like it is like kind of a personal thing and maybe that is a a team thing that you want to keep confined to the team but what would you want to see them do after the game because right now it's just the uh it's just the three stars of the game uh i think i think uh i think they mo see i don't even watch the three stars of the game when i go so it's not even yeah, like particularly exciting, but I think they just kind of like skate out and wave and you get cheered, right? Right, yeah, pretty much. So what, um, what what can we do that's better? They could all take turns like airplane style, choke slamming Nordy at center ice, huh? <laughs> or uh, or they could uh, they could have uh, they could do a whole thing like they did with uh, Gritty in Philadelphia, and they put Nordy at center ice and they fight, have him fight a child. God no, please no. Like in the Roman Coliseum. So stupid. For an actual like team thing. God, I don't know what you could do. 
Well, here's here's an idea. Maybe this is uh, maybe this kind of ruins the specialness of it. But maybe after every win, every uh, every uh, skater comes out, does a lap, and throws one puck into the crowd. Maybe that's something. Could be, yeah. And maybe they maybe they up the ante and and like they start throwing like um, you, you might you might see a player throw a puck and then they, then they might give away a, a hockey stick. It wasn't. Um, was it Devin Dubnik that gave away his one of his hockey sticks after a game one time to a kid? Uh, I think you're thinking Charlie Coyle. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was Charlie Coyle. Okay, so what if they did something like that? That would be very then, funny, though, seeing Devin and, Dubnik throw his giant <laughs> goalie stick made for a 6'6 man <laughs> into the crowd so a kid could catch it. <laughs> Timmy, here you go, and it just decapitates him. <laughs> that was a stick that Charlie Coyle gave to a kid, right? I think or so, was yeah. It a puck? It could have, or no, it was just a wave for Coil. Yeah, it was just the way it was a wave. But I was it Zucker. I don't know. God dang it! Now I'm feeling stupid. But the um, overall, like, it'd be kind of cool. Like all of a sudden, you see like the baseball bat that they were doing the the Twins weekend thing that they had. You know, whatever, just little goofy things, or maybe like balloon animals. One, you know, they just change it up what they give away or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't have to be super expensive. Just something different every time would be kind of funny. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It it's maybe it's me going like, well, they should give something away. Well, you know, it's not like every player has an unlimited budget to just give everything away. Either. Oh yeah, so, I, I don't think uh, I don't think like the stick thing is, is going to be something that uh, that is sustainable for any kind of uh, any kind of period of time. But like the team provides pucks. I don't know that that could be something. I mean, I, I don't think pucks are that expensive, right? No, they're not. But what about breezer petrified turds? <laughs> <laughs> that could it's be something. Again. <laughs> that could be something cool. Like, uh, like, I don't know if they are like training Breezer to do like any like dog show things, but like one of the, one of the players could go out and they could like, just like, I don't know, play fetch with Breezer or like that, that could be something cool. That'd be kind of cool too. Yeah. I don't know exactly what the wild could do to be like the storm surge, but I think that it'd be something that the wild should do, or at least think about doing. And I think that, uh, the, the hero of the game um, is kind of a step in that right direction for marketing players. Now, there's certainly more that can be done, but uh, I, I do like the small step, and hopefully uh, Game Ops and Bill Guerin and marketing and all that stuff can come in and, and try to uh, continue to do more. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Tony, I think uh, I think we did a pretty good job answering that one. We've got another listener-suggested topic coming up on the other side of this break. And uh, we'll get into that right after this. You're listening to Locked on Wild. And we're back on the listener's choice show of Locked on Wild. I am Joe and Tony's still here. We're hanging out. We're talking about your topics. Uh, We got another topic from Mr. Ben Gordon on Twitter. He asks, what do you guys think the best but yet realistic moves the Wild can make this year in preparation for Kaprasov. All right. What are those? Hmm, let me think. Uh, Joe. <laughs> I didn't prepare for this, did you? 
I put together something, but now that I look at them, I don't know how realistic they are. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. You do all the work and I can shoot you down and look smart. All right. Sounds good. All right. Let's go. <laughs> so I tried to use some of the players that were rumored to be on the block, right? All right. So- and also the teams potentially that they had been connected to, according to rumors posted by Michael Russo. Okay. Let's, uh, let's. Let's dig into this. This could be a little spicy. So yeah. what are you trying to do to uh, to surround Kaprizov with? So <laughs> I am looking for young prospects and picks at the same time. Okay, and so you're, you're, you're going to want to put Kaprizov into a situation where it's a rebuilding team, but hopefully there's enough talent so that by year, year two, year three, mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're building something good. Yeah, that's generally what I would want to do. Yeah. So, I started off with trading Jonas Brodeen. All right, where are we trading him? The Colorado Avalanche. Wow, dude. That's, uh, that's spicy in-division trade. Yep, and I am asking for the 2021 second-round pick. Okay. Um, and Alex Newhook. Ooh, okay. He was a 2019 first round pick. I think he was picked 16th overall. Um, and I, and because Newhook is a center and he absolutely lit his junior in his, in, uh, in his draft year on fire with over like a hundred points or something like that. In the BCHL, but yes. Right. I went with Newhook. I did think about Bowen Byram. But I doubt that they're going to give away their fourth overall pick from last year right away. Well, they were definitely not going to give it away for Taylor Hall, so I, I suspect they wouldn't be giving that pick away from or for uh, Jonas Brodine either. Uh, one thing that I saw, and, and this is just kind of the rumor mill, right? They were mm-hmm. looking for uh, uh, looking at acquiring uh, Chris Kreider, and okay. the. Uh, the asking price for New York is apparently Martin Kaut and their first round pick in 2020. And it okay. sounds like they're only willing to give up one of those. But I think you kind of remedy that a little bit by saying, okay, well, we're not going to get a first round pick and a top, top prospect. Right. But what if we got that top, top prospect and a second round pick? If you could do this trade. I would be really interested in that because Newhook is someone who could be a center. He's split time between center and the wing mm-hmm. at Boston College so far, playing mm-hmm. uh, playing on the same team as Matt Boldy. Yep. And uh, Newhook is uh, has been pretty productive this year. He's, he hasn't been nearly a snake bit as Boldy <laughs> has been with uh, with eight goals and seventeen points in twenty games so far. So yeah, I would I like mean, this I, trade. Yeah, I actually thought okay. Let's not necessarily pick like this year's first round pick. I'm going to pick one of their last year's first round picks and then also try to get a second rounder in the deal. That's kind of where I was going with it. I don't know if they would be willing to part with new hook, but that would Probably be, not. that would be interesting if they did. That's not, uh, that's not a, a bad tree to, to bark up. Maybe you'd end up getting Martin Kaut and, uh, a second round pick in 2021. Yeah. I just think if you're given Jonas Brodeen, who is um, probably going to be one of their 
best defensive defenseman right away as soon as he joins their team. It allows Kale McCarr to be more offensive. It allows uh, Eric Johnson to step in. I think he might be even hurt too, but it allows, I think, a lot of the uh, – it allows the, the defenseman for the Colorado Avalanche to probably play in a spot more of their um, – of their strength than if, if you give up Jonas Brodin for that. So, yeah, I, I like I said, I, I, I like that. I like that tree that you're sniffing up. Okay. My next trade, I trade Matt Dumba. Oh, and no. Ryan Hartman. No. To the Carolina hurricanes. Do you hate me, Joe? Do I hate you? Do you hate me? I No, I don't hate you. It sounds like you hate me. I don't. This no. is violence <laughs> against me. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's Okay. So, I give him Matt Dumba. I'm really Ryan mad Harvey. about this. I know you are. And I grab Carolina's 2020 first round pick. Ryan Suzuki, and I take Eric Halla off their hands. That's a big haul for, you know, to, to of prospects to, to end up in the system. Uh, is it big enough for me to trade Matt Dumba? I don't know, but uh, but like I'm biased. Why don't you uh, why don't you explain your thinking here? So I I figured a first round pick and Ryan Suzuki would be a lot to ask for. And so I, I tried to say, okay, we'll give you a depth guy uh, with Ryan Hartman who can be on a, uh, you know, a, a third or fourth line of a uh, more likely a fourth line for Carolina. And, and I think he'd slot in there and play relatively decent mm-hmm. um, in that role. And because Eric Halla is one of those players that uh, they're having issues with, or it hasn't been really productive, and it sounds like there's been some personality clashes there. Taking him back to Minnesota, and I know like you're probably not a person that likes to live in the past, and I'm not saying it necessarily go, okay, yeah, let's let's bring him back just to try to rekindle, you know, 2016, 2017. I'm not thinking that at all. I'm actually trying to think like he is relatively fast. He is somebody that can can slot in the lineup play a, a uh, at least a top nine role and uh and and play you know center so i uh, i just thought like for relatively cheap for, for you know taking it uh, kind of their problem off their hands i think that that would be the way i would go i don't know man <laughs> i don't know um suzuki isn't like a bad prospect he's he's actually you know a very good prospect um, I, I just, th- this, this hurts, this hurts a lot to, to, to ask for, but I, I can see what you're thinking here in that, like, okay, well, you're going to need to get a center to ride shotgun with Kirill Kaprizov, or at least in theory, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe Kaprizov, somebody who is going to be the primary puck handler, and it kind of doesn't matter who's the center. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be the case, but in theory, you have a winger as good as Kaprizov. You want somebody who can ride shotgun with him. Suzuki's a good playmaker. I don't know if I would... I still don't know if I would do Dumba hmm. for that, even though, like, you're getting a, a first-round pick and, you know, someone who's as good as yeah. uh, as Ryan Suzuki. Like, 
for Dumba, like if you're if you're asking for a top center prospect anyway for Dumba, mm-hmm. do I do I try to get Martin Neckish? I don't know if you can get Martin Neckish, but you know you're you're trading Matt Dumba. Like <laughs> you might as well. I don't know. And and, and I kind of thought about what I wrote recently on, on zonecoverage.com about GMs probably aren't going to want to completely pony up all of, you know, that type of capital on Matt Dumbo, who, whose struggles this year kind of coincided with an injury, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously the injury happened last year and he seems like he's relatively healthy, but I'm trying to take maybe his performance this year is depressing the value even just a little bit. And that's why I felt like I needed a, a pot sweetener in Ryan Hartman. Mm, I think the money that doesn't that's work if you add Ryan Hartman, though. That's that's okay. the thing. I don't know. You probably can't get Martin Neckes just because he is playing in the NHL and he's he's yeah. putting up points. I I didn't want to give away Marcus Foligno at this point either. That's why I went Ryan Hartman, and I feel I felt like I needed to get rid of a uh, or at least move a forward in order to get you know the Kaprasov room as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was kind of where I was thinking. I had a super, super difficult time trying to figure out a destination for Jason Zucker because I don't really like anything on Pittsburgh that they would even sort of remotely make available. So I didn't move Jason Zucker. I want him on this team with Kaprizov. I want to see how that works out. Mm -hmm. So I made another low-level move, buying low Trying to and and I moved Nick Sealer to the New York Islanders for Josh Hosang. Okay, yeah, that could be interesting. So, uh, two two questions. One, uh, maybe maybe if you're trying to get uh, a sweetener and uh, and uh, uh, in for Carolina instead of giving them someone in Ryan Hartman, uh, why wouldn't you maybe take away? Uh, try to buy low on um, Jake Gardner, who is uh, who is not performing super well in Carolina right now. Of course, they might. I don't know what they think in terms of like needing him for their uh, their depth, but they have you know a, a pretty stacked blue line. I know some mm-hmm. of it's hurt uh, due to Dougie Hamilton being out with injury, but mm-hmm. and Gardner's not really performing. Maybe not really fitting in there. Uh, you know, you take that money back and maybe, uh, and maybe that's your, your sweetener. And then you, uh, you might actually have a pretty good defenseman. Cause, uh, cause I, I am noticing here, you are trading the wild's entire second pairing out of town <laughs> yeah. and pretty much getting, uh, just forward prospect depth, which is good to mm-hmm. have, you know, Minnesota needs high end forwards, but at the same time, all of their top prospects are forwards so what do you use those draft picks on? Is the idea to to try to load up on defense if if possible? I think so. If you can somehow snag like Suzuki and Newhook in that, um, I think that you, they try to go on a slam dunk defenseman. I looked at Toronto as well with like Timothy Lilligren, but um, you know, as as a as a defenseman prospect, I just think that um, yeah, I know I was basically carving a hole but uh mm-hmm. but the wilds even though it's it, their forward depth is is relatively deep i just think like the, this team needs a ton of ton more scoring talent up 
a ton I, more scoring talent up front. I agree with that, and I think it is in it is in the Wild's best interest to put, you know, Kaprizov in a position where he's going to be able to succeed right away. And that's probably not going to happen when you have down the middle. Uh, let's see, uh, do 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 Victor Rask, or like yeah. as good as Joel Eriksson Ek is, is he going to be the ideal running mate to Kaprizov? Now it's possible because right. Because if Kaprizov's going to be your primary puck carrier on the line, maybe you do want Eriksson Ek, who is going to play a simple game, kind of shore up the defense, and kind of be the uh, the Miko Koivu to Kaprizov's Mikhail Granlin and Jason Zucker, if you will. Mm-hmm. That could be an interesting dynamic. But I, ideally, you're going to want either you're going to want to get a center to to have run with what uh, run with Kaprizov, or you're going to want to have a uh, a second scoring line so that it isn't just on Kaprizov to score. And when, you know, mm-hmm. the team is 25th in scoring, people aren't saying, like, wait a minute, what's up with Kaprizov? I thought he was going to fix all this, and he's not right. fixing yeah. this. And you want to avoid that, too. So secondary scoring, even if if that's all Suzuki mm-hmm. and or Newhook become in, in this uh, this lineup. And I, I, I certainly think that, like, there's – there's decisions to be made on like a Jordan Greenway or Ryan Donato or um, Luke Cunning, Luke Cunning or Marcus Foligno, which I'm surprised you didn't. Trade. And, and I didn't trade Marcus Foligno because I guess I was swayed by by the. Um, the recent article by Michael Russo talking about like, yeah, you know, he's just and you've talked about it, too. The guy just has a ton of leadership in that room. And I think that uh, a guy that exudes just like that, that captain type mentality uh even if he is on a third line um he's he's showing that he can provide some good strong defensive depth down there as well as pitch in offensively and uh and and i think felino is that type of guy that you want down there you certainly don't want to put jordan greenway or or, uh, a ryan donato down on the on the fourth line so i think that that would probably help too and then those guys are probably going to get bumped down too when uh, when Kaprasov does come in, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I want. I, 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 I want think to, I, I might be going the other way on Foligno. Like I'm sympathetic to the idea that, like, yeah, you got the you got Foligno's leadership. He's a good locker room guy, good vibes. I'm starting to think like, hi, ah, if, if you really are going to mm-hmm. go for the future, then yeah. is Foligno going to be part of your future? I certainly think that. I mean, there is time to make that decision on him. And I think that they can get f- something for him. Now, in my short time to prep, I wasn't sure how to gauge that value. Yeah, that's, so, um, it's a perhaps, tricky one. Perhaps I was maybe more caught up just like, okay, what could I really pluck with like with a Marcus Foligno? And, and if I added him with like a Matt Dumba in a move, is that giving away too much? So I I, I kind of fought with that myself. So... Uh, th- that's why I went with these uh, particular moves, um, but uh, yeah, I would say get you know load up on some uh, some defensemen with uh, with the first round picks this year, or even just some of the top picks that they have, and and, and continue to go forward. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's uh, probably going to do it, Tony. Uh, where can we find you? You can find me. On Twitter at Ohio Tony, you can find all of my work at the Athletic Minnesota. 
You can find me on Twitter at JoeBoo15 on Twitter. You can also find all of my work at zonecoverage.com. Uh, Sam Ekstrom broke today that uh, the Vikings are promoting Gary Kubiak to offensive coordinator. So a lot of news there uh, going on at zonecoverage.com. Oh, hey, before we uh, before we go out, can we uh, can we give a shout out to something cool that happened at uh, at our old stomping grounds in Hockey Wilderness? Yeah, absolutely. Madison Packer uh, is is now writing at Hockey Wilderness, and I just think that's really cool. Yeah, that's a really cool thing. Um, I, I I did read that, and uh, she's she, was she a, an NWHL All Star or something like that. Yeah, yeah, pretty awesome. I think that's a pretty cool move on their part, and a pretty cool to uh, to see uh, that uh, come into our uh, I guess the, not our blogosphere, but just in general in Minnesota, and have uh, yet another knowledgeable voice. Yeah, it's really cool. All right. If you like today's show, please hit subscribe so your device sends it to you every time there's a new episode without having to do any work. Please leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast service you use. Uh, we have been checking those ratings out, and uh, we'll try to get more Futurama references from Tony. Yeah, we've, uh, got, think, uh, we've got one request for it. Yeah, I, I think you're holding back, Tony. All right. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter. Just look up at Wild. You can also get in touch with us via email, like Holly did, who sent in her uh, her fan suggestion. You can start doing that for next week, uh, all your mailbag stuff, too. Just send it to our inbox at uh, LockedOnWild at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Locked On Wild. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, be sure to check us out every Monday through Friday to stay on top of everything revolving around your team every day.